Hello, it is Thursday, March 26, and we're getting ready to do our Bible study. I'm certainly delighted that you're able to join us as far as this moment of teaching is concerned. However, before you join us, there are several things I want to share with you all as far as how we're doing church here at St. Paul. Of course, at this particular time here in Mecklenburg County, we are under a stay-at-home order which means that I only have two other people here in the sanctuary with me as we live stream this recording. And this is going to be in place for quite some while, for quite a time, which means it's going to impact how we do even Sunday morning worship. So first of all, I want you all to know that at St. Paul, we are praying for you and with you. And we need for you to check on one another as far as phone calls, FaceTiming, or any other means of conversation and communication are concerned. Secondly, on this Sunday, we're asking for all persons to stay at home and check us out online. You can check us out through Facebook Live, through our website, Vimeo Connection, through YouTube. And I want to recommend YouTube that you will go to St. Paul Baptist Church, Charlotte, North Carolina, Search for that on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube page. We have discovered that YouTube has less glitches than all the other platforms we have been using. And you can check us out as far as the YouTube page is concerned. We want you to know that during this time, we got to do all that we can to flatten this curve during this pandemic. And so we want to pray for one another. We want to be sensitive to those who are sick and shut in. I've already asked that our deacons, as well as other ministry leaders, will reach out to our sick and shut-in list, as well as that we call one another and encourage one another. Please know that we are praying for you and with you and doing all that we can to maintain a sense of community and connectivity here at the St. Paul Church. I love you all, miss you all immensely, and I can't wait till the body of Christ through the St. Paul Baptist Church can come together in worship and in fellowship in a physical form. Until then, God bless you. May heaven smile upon you and be blessed by this lesson that we're getting ready to share. Uh, many churches and businesses throughout uh, not only this city and this state, but even this country that is in the process of trying to do things from a virtual and digital perspective. And um, many of those services that provide uh, that opportunity has been uh, really tested as far as their margins are concerned. So I want to thank you all for bearing with us. I want to thank uh, my brother as far as the work here at St. Paul is concerned, uh, Brother Scott Gibson. Uh, with his gift of music uh, as far as the sharing is concerned and we're going to do Bible study in just a moment. However, I do want to stress that we are coming from what is the youth sanctuary here at the St. Paul Church and there are only basically three people that are here. Uh, the person doing the recording, Scott on music and me as far as teaching is concerned. Here in the Mecklenburg County, we are on a stay-at-home alert which basically means that if you're not considered to be in the central service that you are being uh, mandated to stay at home and, of course, try to do all that we can to flatten this curve. And so with that being said, that's going to, of course, uh, continue to have impact on what we would do on Sunday morning. 
So on Sunday morning at 10.30, we're going to live stream. And basically the persons that will be at the church will be those that are essential to us doing our live stream. So I'm asking all the disciples of St. Paul Church, uh, if you would check us out, either through our website, Facebook Live, or through our YouTube channel. And probably the best channel to go to is our YouTube channel. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. It will send you notifications when we're getting ready to send out something or when we're getting ready to, to go live and will allow for you to have that experience. Uh, I also want to encourage you to uh, pray for um, one another as well as check on each other as far as making phone calls. We know that, of course, visits are very limited during these times, but yet we want you to do all that you can to maintain connection and communication with the body of Christ here at St. Paul Church as, as well as with other loved ones. Uh, last night we had our first prayer call that was at 715 and we had close to 90 people on that prayer call. Some of you all were not able to get in because there was a busy signal and of course uh, we have been in touch with Free Conference uh, online to find out what the situation was uh, and we're working out the kinks with that. One thing we are going to do next week is we're going to move our prayer time back one hour to 8.15 instead of 7.15. Uh, that will be an off hour for a lot of people and that may allow for us to be able to, again, uh, have as many people as we can on that call. So disciples of St. Paul and those who are checking us out as far as virtual church is concerned, I want to thank you again for your patience. Now let us go to the Lord in prayer as we prepare to share what it is that the Lord will have for us to do for the time that is ours. Let's bow our heads in prayer. God, as we come to you right now, we do not take for granted where we are as far as this moment in time is concerned. God, we come to you because we realize that in times like these, we need an anchor. We need you to be our anchor. There are people right now, God, across the width and breadth of this city, this county, this state, this country, and this world. We cannot do what we would normally do on a Thursday afternoon. And yet, God, we realize that even in the midst of this pandemic, you are sovereign and you are God. And so, Lord, we pray for doctors and nurses and other health care workers that are on the front line. God, we pray for uh, scientists and epidemiologists and uh, others who are trying to find ways to mitigate this pandemic and to find a cure for this virus. Give them, God, your wisdom and knowledge to bring that into fruition. Because, God, we do not see that there is friction between faith and science. They both can work hand in hand because you made everything seen and unseen. And now, God, as we prepare to study your word, as far as Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22, we pray right now, God, that you would be in our midst. You be the teacher. Teach us your precepts. Let your word be a lamp to our feet and light unto our path. Show yourself mighty and strong, O oh God, and have your way in this moment. It is in Jesus' name we pray, and in his name we claim it done. Amen. If you're watching this live stream, if you would, just give God a hand of praise, and we, of course, 
thank God for what God is doing, even in the midst of this uh, pandemic situation. I would like for you to, if you would, to open up your Bibles, be it a physical Bible or uh, your ebook, to Second, I mean, to Ephesians chapter two, and we want to look at verses nineteen through twenty-two. Ephesians chapter two, verses nineteen through twenty-two, and we have um, four passages of Scripture that we want to look at, or four verses rather that we want to look at that has great depth as far as time is concerned. And I guarantee that what I have been able to extract as far as this verse is concerned, these verses are concerned, is going to be very, very meaty as far as the rest of the time that we have together. I'm going to read the verse out loud, and I'm going to ask that if you would take your Bible and highlight certain words because there are going to be certain words that we're going to drill down on that we're going to expand and expose as far as Bible study is concerned. And then we're going to do a wrap-up because I believe that God has something very, very unique for us and it's going to be very, very germane to us even in this time of a pandemic situation. So Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 19, these words are printed from the New King James Version of God's Holy Word. Now therefore... You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Amen. This is a very unique four verses that serves as great insight to really what happened after the death of Jesus. And I want you to understand that there are some words that we want to highlight as far as this time is concerned. So if you would, do me a favor, and let's go back to the scriptures, and let's highlight some words. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. I want you to highlight the phrase, stranger and foreigners. And then I want you to underline, but fellow citizens, underline the word fellow citizens. And then I want you to also highlight with the saints and members of the household of God. Highlight saints and members of the household of God. Verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles. Highlight the foundations of the apostles and circle having been built. Circle the words having been built. Highlight foundation of the apostles and prophets. Then I want you to underline Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Underline that. In fact, double underline that. In verse 21, in whom the whole building, I want you to 
highlight whole building. Being fitted together, I want you to highlight fitted together. I want you to circle the word grows into a holy temple in the Lord, and I want you to highlight the word holy temple in the Lord. In verse 22, in whom you are also being built, I want you to circle the word being built, and I want you to draw a line from the word being built in verse 22 to built in verse 20. Draw a line to the word built. In whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I want you to highlight for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. All right. So let's start doing some work. And let's look at verse 19 and let's really unpack this. And I really want to drop some wonderful, wonderful jewels that would be a blessing as far as our time together is concerned. In my Bible, this particular passage of Scripture is entitled, Christ, Our Cornerstone. And that's a very important phrase that I really want to highlight upon because with Christ being our cornerstone, that means that basically Christ serves as the starting point for whatever we're going to do as far as the body of Christ is concerned. Now, I want you to understand that after the death of Jesus, the construction of what we now know as the church, the ecclesia, began. And so everyone that has been born again, everyone who has confessed Jesus Christ, as her or his savior is part of the household of faith. And in this particular uh, capture here, in these four verses, Paul is showing us how that spiritual house is being constructed by God, our heavenly father. So I really want to unpack this in a very meaningful way. So let's look at verse 19 and let's start uh, having some fun as far as this passage of scripture is concerned. When it says, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, uh, this is in relationship to those who are Gentile believers. This is in relationship. The word you is in relationship to those who are Gentile believers. And Paul is trying to get them to understand that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, even though you are Gentile, you now become part of the household of God. Now, one of the things I really want you to understand is that what Paul is dealing with here in verse 19 is a previous condition of the past as far as those who are Gentile. He desires for us to understand what the basic message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is really all about. So the word stranger, the word stranger means a person that is outside or a person who does not belong, or a person who is not known. That's what a stranger is. You don't know a stranger, okay? The word foreigner uh, is relative to being an alien, or being an exile, or being a migrant. 
So in the past, Gentiles had no relationship and no fellowship with God. Um, if you were a sinner, you had no rights as far as the citizenship of the kingdom of God. So this is what the word stranger and foreigners is in relationship to. It's in relationship to Gentiles in particular, but it's in relationship to all of us who may not know Jesus Christ in the pardon of our sins in general. So let's continue uh, on that path as far as dissecting verse 19. But fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. I want to put my kickstand down there as my friend Lance Watson in Richmond, Virginia would say. Uh, I really want to put my kickstand down right there because this is a transition point. That word but is considered to be a conjunction that is contradistinctive. What does that mean? It is a conjunction that means that what has come before, now what comes after changes what has come before. So we were strangers and foreigners, but now we're fellow citizens. We're with the saints and we're members of the household of God. So as a result of what Jesus did on a hill called Calvary, we are now people of God. We are chosen by God. We are selected by God. We are set apart by God. That's what the word saint means. We are heirs of God and we are joint heirs with Christ. That means that God has chosen us. God has selected us. God has sanctified us. Oh, what a wonderful joy it is for us to know that we're no longer exiles and we're no longer strangers and foreigners when it comes to God, but we're now part of the saints. We are now part of the family of God, which means that we now have citizenship in the kingdom of God. How does that happen? That happens because of Jesus. Jesus is the reason that you and I have permanent citizenship in the household of faith. We're now fellow citizens. Jesus is the one who has stamped our passport, who has secured our visa to be part of the family of God. See, when a foreigner comes into a country, he, uh, she has to get permission to be there on a temporary visit. But now, our visit is no longer temporary. It is permanent. We're fellow citizens. And, and that citizenship has been paid for, watch this, by the blood of of Jesus Christ. You and I, in and of ourselves, did not have right to that citizenship because we were sinners. But due to the fact that Jesus Christ has paid the price for our sins on that hill called Calvary, we now have access to being part of the household of faith. Oh, my brothers and sisters, what a blessed privilege it is for us to be a part of such a wonderful kingdom. Which basically means that all of this, verse 19, helps us to understand that we're part of a church that has been cemented or has been planted. Jesus Christ is the one who came, gave his life for our sins, and when Jesus declared from the cross, teletesta, which basically means it is finished, it is done, he is also dealing with the fact not only has the price for our sins has been taken care of, but now the foundation of the church 
is being established. So Jesus did more on Calvary than just pay for our sins. Jesus, on that hill called Calvary, established what we now know as the ecclesia. He cemented that. Oh, what a blessed privilege it is for us to understand that all of us who believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're now part of the household of faith. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, that upon this rock, upon this ecclesia, upon this rock, I will build my church, my ecclesia, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus fully understood that his mission, besides paying for the price and the penalty of our sin, was to establish his church. Wow. Absolutely amazing what our God did through his Christ. And so because we're part of the household of faith, that basically means that if I'm part of the household of God, then that means that I'm a child of God, that you are a child of God. Now, what I want you to understand is that Paul reminds us that we are now children who are in relationship with God as our parent and Christ as our brother. And that concept household deals with the aspect that we have been grafted or adopted into the family of God because of our faith. Now, I want you to understand something about adoption as far as Roman law was concerned during those times. That a person who was adopted into a particular family, in a sense, had more rights than the persons who were born into that family. I know you're saying, what? How is that? Real easy. Because a person that's born into the family did not necessarily have a choice. They were born. They were, uh, have a relationship that is based upon blood. However, when you are adopted, that means that the person that did the adopting had to choose you. So they had a choice on whether they wanted to accept you or not. So when you are adopted into the family of God, you are chosen. Lord knows I feel like shouting right now, knowing the fact that I've been chosen, I've been adopted into the family of God. You are chosen. So in uh, accordance with Roman law, a person who was born into the family could be written out of the will. But a person that was adopted into the family cannot be written out of the will. Why? Because choice has been made. Wow. So that means that we are now, and I know that the word privilege has taken on such a negative term, but I want to lift back up a positive connotation of the word privilege. You and I, because of our faith in Jesus Christ, we are now privileged children of God. We now live in the same family and the same household of God. Now, I want you to understand something about being part of the household. Because part of being in the, in the household means that there's work you got to do in the house. <laughs> uh, uh, being part of the household doesn't mean that you just come and lay on the couch or that you just watch television all day long. But being part of the household of God means you got to contribute something to the household, which means that you got to be willing to serve. God does not save us to be lazy. But God has saved us to serve. To serve the house 
whole of God. Which means that every person in the household of God has duties to perform, some service to render for the sake of the family. Unfortunately, when it comes to the household of God, when it comes to the church, we got a whole lot of family members who are not doing their part in the house. And part of what we're called to do, as far as the household of God is concerned, is that we're called to love one another. We're called to care for each other. We're called to provide for each other. We're called to teach each other. We're called to serve one another. Jesus reminds us, uh, in the Gospel of John, we're called to wash each other's feet. He or she who wished to be great among you, let him or her serve. What a powerful Powerful testimony. Let me, if I could, I want to lift this as an example. In my household, um, it's uh, Pierre, who's the queen, <laughs> and it's Cheris, who's the princess, and it's me, who's the janitor. <laughs> uh, um, uh, in our household, in our household, each of us got something we got to contribute to the household. Each of us have something we have to contribute as far as the household. As far as me being a provider for my family, I'm called to do all that I can to make sure that my family is safe and secure. Pierre, as far as her role, as far as wife and mother is concerned, is to ensure that I, as a husband and a father, can do that all that I can to make sure that the family has all that it needs. And she helps me and empowers me to navigate that. She gives guidance to Charis uh, and a lot of other things that she does as far as household is concerned. Charis' job in the household of the Scots household is to make sure she is a good student. She is to make sure that her bed is made up every day. She is to make sure that her room is clean. Uh, because she's going to school online now, she is to make sure that everything she needs to do online is being done. So all of us in that particular household got something to do to ensure that things in the house run smoothly. Same way when it comes to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Each and every person who has been saved, each and every person who has been born again got something to contribute to the household of faith. So let's move on now to verse 20. And isn't it amazing for just about 12 to 15 minutes, I was just on one verse. That is how deep and how rich and how powerful Bible study can be when you start digging and allowing for the word of God to speak to you. So we now move to verse 20. And as we move to verse 20, we see something that Paul is getting ready to do and to unpack that I pray will be a blessing to you. Because in verse 20 through verse 22, Paul now deals with what the foundation of the church is. And in him dealing with this great building, the holy temple in which God dwells, he is kind of making connection with the temple of the Old Testament to what the building of the new foundation is in the New Testament. And Paul is now dealing with three things as far as this uh, place is concerned. He is writing about what I call the three F's. 
The building's foundation, that's going to be in verse 20. The building's formation, that's going to be in verse 21. And the building's function, that's going to be in verse 22. Oh gosh, St. Paul, you may hear a sermon on this nearly in the future, just as far as this Bible study is concerned. Verse 20 deals with foundation. Verse 21 deals with formation. Verse 22 deals with function. So we want to unpack this, and then we're going to call it a day. Verse 20, the foundation of the church. The foundation of the church. The church is considered to be God's building, God's habitat. Um, and when you look at a building, if you know anything about doing a building, a building doesn't just pop up. There are several phases. There are several uh, construction moves that have to take place. So in verse 20, we see, having been built on, watch this, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Follow the flow here. Paul is describing the foundation of the church and the reason that Gentile believers are now fellow citizens, no longer aliens and strangers, is because they are built on the foundation of the apostles who were the early pastors in the church, who were the pastors of the early church and the prophets. The prophets are of the New Testament era, not the Old Testament era. These men receive revelation of the mystery of the church in the present age, what was hidden in the days past, that is the Old Testament time. So the words apostles and prophets could modify the foundation. So it makes sense when you read Ephesians chapter 4.11, when Paul talks about uh, the different roles and responsibilities of the church, it now makes sense what uh, Ephesians 4.11 means when it says, and he gave himself some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. The pastors, the apostles, and the prophets were gifted people given to the early church as its foundation. So I want to really dig beneath the surface and help us to understand what this really looks like. Every born-again believer, every person who confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is really considered to be, watch this, a brick. A brick in the wall, in the construction wall, as far as the kingdom of God is concerned. But Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. So with the construction project, it starts with the cornerstone. And Jesus is considered to be the main, the chief, the only cornerstone. And since Jesus is the main, the chief, the only cornerstone, if Jesus is removed, the building will collapse. If there's no Jesus, there is no church. Jesus is the head of the church. And without Jesus, the church does not exist. The chief cornerstone is the most important stone in a building. So how do you and I become stones or bricks 
in this building. Interestingly, you and I become stones and bricks through the conversion process. When you and I accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we become stones. We become bricks as far as that building is concerned. I believe it was in Hebrews chapter uh, 12 um, that the author of that particular verse says, uh, looking unto Jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and set down now at the right hand of the throne of God. Our faith starts and our faith ends with none other than Jesus Christ, which means that our faith starts and our faith ends with not a building, not 1401 Allen Street, but our faith and our uh, faith starts and our faith ends with none other than Jesus Christ, who is the chief cornerstone. Jesus being the chief cornerstone is the one that connects all of us together. He's the supportive stone. Because after the cornerstone is laid, all the other stones then have to align with that chief cornerstone. That basically means that Jesus is the one who upholds us. Jesus, by his power, is the one that makes the whole spiritual building stand. Okay? Jesus is the one that becomes the anchor for the whole building. Because guess what? If we don't focus on who Jesus is and don't follow Jesus' mandate, you have no church. You might have a club. You might have some social organization. You might have even a business entity. You might have a school, but you have no church. The church's foundation needs to be correctly aligned with none other than Jesus Christ. And so what I want to impress upon you is that Jesus becomes the chief cornerstone for the church and God uses Jesus to give direction to all the other stones. Okay? That's what God does through Jesus Christ. And isn't it amazing how God is able to use Jesus to make sure that you and I are connected in a very powerful way? So let's see, because when you understand what a foundation is, you know that a foundation is like cement being poured for a building. So, so let's see what this cement is, is like being poured. The cement for the church is being laid upon or being poured by the apostles and the prophets. In other words, the foundation of the church is the testimonies, the words, the teachings, the doctrines of the apostles and the prophets, okay? Their testimony represents how this foundation laid. But the foundation is none other, watch this, than the word of God. Paul said it best in, I believe it's Romans 1, chapter 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and to the Greek also. It is the word of God 
the testimonies of the apostles and the prophets in which the foundation of the church is laid, in which Jesus Christ himself is that chief cornerstone. This is absolutely amazing how what God is doing as far as the body of Jesus Christ is concerned. But then as we get ready to now go to verse 21, something is amazing that blows my mind. And I, I, I want to read it again because I got a question that I want us to wrestle with. In verse 21, in whom the whole building, in whom the whole building being fitted together, and I believe I had you all to circle the word, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. That's interesting. In whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. How can a building grow? How, 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 how can a building be built and then grow? Is it growing a biological term? To, to me, growing is a biological term. Unless your mind can supersede what is natural and finite and grasp what is supernatural and infinite. Any person who is in Christ can, can get this. Because in verse 21, we are being challenged to understand that God is doing something very unique because God has made us, watch this, living stones. The word grow does not necessarily go in a construction project because really, once you set the foundation, <laughs> How can a foundation grow? How can a foundation grow? Unless you look at it from a spiritual perspective. And I would dare suggest that the chief stone is also the living stone which produces lively stones. One of my brothers in the faith, uh, Dr. Uh, A.B. Sutton in Birmingham, uh, Alabama, uh, has a church... Uh, and they are called living stones. Blows my mind um, that they are called living stones, but he helps me to understand that what God is doing is something spiritual, not just physical. Okay? So let's look at this and let's unpack this in a very powerful way. In whom the whole building being fitted together, being fitted together, being fitted together, um, uh, this is an image of a building, number one, being skillfully built, being skillfully put together uh, that helps us to understand that we are being created into a super spiritual structure. And that super spiritual structure is based upon our connection to the chief cornerstone who is also the living stone. <laughs> so the chief cornerstone who is also the living stone 
is the one that gives support to the living stones. Since Christ is the living stone, we are being supported through Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. So, before Jesus, any sinner is dead. Dead in our trespasses, dead in our sins. But now because we're in Christ, we are being supported in life through him. That's why in the book of Acts it says that uh, it is through Christ that we live, move, and have our being. Um, I believe that Jesus said in John chapter 10, 10, that the thief comes not except for the steel, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. When Jesus makes that statement, Jesus is not talking about the devil. But what Jesus is talking about, the thief coming not but for the steel, kill, and destroy, is he is talking about the false teachers that teach something that is contrary to what he is teaching. He is talking about those who did not recognize that he is the son of God. So, so this does not have anything to do with you and me getting material possessions and new money and bigger houses and more fancy clothes. No, this has everything to do with what you and I understand as far as our belief constructs when it comes to Jesus Christ. So watch this. So, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple into the Lord. Not only are we growing into a holy temple in the Lord, but that word growth means that we are maturing. Maturing. When you talk about something growing, you really are safe to make the assumption that there is maturing that takes place. You and I, start off as little babies in Christ, infants in Christ, drinking milk. But with each and every day as we take in the word of God, as we are being sanctified, as we are being discipled, we should be leaving milk and eating meat. And we should be stop, we should stop acting like little babies or infants in Christ and start acting more mature. Which means that as I mature, there's some things I ought to be able to handle now that I could not handle when I was an infant in Jesus Christ. So, the word growth or grows basically denotes that there ought to be maturing, development, positive development taking place. This growth structure also deals with, watch this, with a large superstructure that now exists and continues to grow. Um, it, 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 it deals with the idea that this building, this holy temple is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. How does that happen? Real easy. Every time a person acknowledges Jesus Christ as his or her Savior, every time a person comes to the saving grace of Jesus Christ, guess what? The building gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So every time that you 
lead someone to Christ. Every time you help someone comes to knowing who Jesus Christ is and the pardon of his or her sins, the building gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Not just a physical structure, like a 1401 Allen Street, but the kingdom of God, the ecclesia, the universal church. And now as I get ready to close, let me, if I could, I want to shift to verse 22. And as we look at verse 22, what I want you all to understand is how God in God's self provides us leadership. Watch this. Verse 22, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Who's the leader being supplied in Ephesians 2.22? It's the Spirit. We are being brought together to become a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. We are the home. We're the habitation of God in the Spirit. I, I want you to understand something. This, this is major. We're not the church in the sense, because you don't see the word church here, you see the word temple. Temple is a Hebraic term, uh, uh, and there's a difference between temple and church. <laughs> um, you and I are considered to be, as individuals, the temple of God. But when we come together, we're the church. All right. However, what I want to impress upon you is that the Holy Spirit is given to every believer. Every believer. And it pulls all of us as believers, as our individual temple selves, to come together as the ecclesia or the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've taught this in what we call our new members class here at St. Paul, our Christian education orientation, but I want to drop it on you because the Spirit does several things in the church. The Spirit seals us. The Spirit comforts us. The Spirit teaches us. The Spirit guides us. The Spirit empowers us. The Spirit prays for us. The Spirit helps us. The Spirit leads us. The Spirit frees us, the Spirit unites us, and the Holy Spirit strengthens us. The Holy Spirit becomes our leader. The Holy Spirit is, watch this, I'm going to drop a major bombshell on y'all since some of us don't believe this. The Holy Spirit is nothing less than Christ in us. When I have the Holy Spirit in me, I have Christ in me. And we are told that the Holy Spirit will bring things back to our remembrance of what Jesus Christ has given unto us. The goal of our temple 
is to become the dwelling place in which God lives through God's Spirit. See, remember in the Old Testament, the glory of God was in the temple, representing his presence as far as the Israelites were concerned. But in this age, God dwells in his new temple, which is constructed by living believers. And since the Holy Spirit dwells in us, since the Holy Spirit is in each individual believer, then you and I become those bricks that really help bring what we know as the household of faith together. So I want to sum it up by giving you this as a point to leave on. That in these four verses, Paul has shown us that though the Gentiles were outside of the household of God, outside of the household of faith, that now the Gentiles, uh, those persons who were not Jewish, are now one new person with Jewish believers. And this new entity is like the temple that is being structured on the testimonies of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ being the chief major cornerstone being dwelt by God through the person of the Holy Spirit. My brother and my sister, what a blessed privilege it is for us to know who Jesus Christ is in the pardon of our sins. What a blessed privilege it is for us to have Jesus Christ as our chief cornerstone, and you and I are like little living stones or bricks that are being structured and guided by that chief cornerstone. And what a blessed privilege it is for us to be united not only in our local gatherings known as the local church, or St. Paul Church, but what a blessed privilege it is for us to be connected with women and men throughout this world, regardless of race, culture, ethnicity, country, that because of their faith and commitment to Jesus Christ, we are all connected and we become this large holy temple that allows for God to get glory. As I close, in this age and in this time of this pandemic known as coronavirus, COVID-19, it has given the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ a wonderful opportunity for us to be a bright light shining in a dark, depressed, and desolate world. Let others know that even though many of our church buildings may be inaccessible and closed, the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ is open, alive, and working well to give hope to those who are hopeless, to be a light to those who are in darkness, and to remind others that God is still sovereign and God is not through with us yet. If you don't know who Jesus Christ is in the pardon of your sin, and you're checking out this broadcast, 
I want you to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now. I want you to put your trust wholeheartedly in him and become one of those living stones, one of those bricks that continue to expand the temple of God. Well, my brothers and sisters, this ends our time of conversation for today. Next week, we're going to study Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. And in that particular verse, we're going to talk about what the Lord is calling us to do. I want to close out in prayer because I want to remind you that even in this moment, you're not going through what you're going through by yourself. So let's bow our heads for a word of prayer and let's sense and seek what it is that God will empower us to do even in times like this. God, you're the source of our strength and you're the strength of our life. And I come to you right now, God, and we thank you. We thank you for this time of conversation. And I pray that during this time of exposition, that you, oh God, have been glorified in this moment. Pray that those who are watching uh, this broadcast will receive a word that will empower them, enrich them. Help us to understand how we're bricks in the household of faith. God, we lift up those who are dealing with the impact of COVID-19. God, we know you can bring healing, and if it's your will in those moments, do that. God, there are people right now who are dying because of the coronavirus, and for their families, oh God, if you would, give comfort. God, here at the St. Paul Church, empower us to continue to love and serve and empower your people. And Lord, as we um, sign off off this broadcast and as we leave from this moment, but never your presence, keep us in your sovereign care. We love you, O oh God. And we know that not even the coronavirus is bigger than you. So we place our trust, faith, and confidence in you, O oh God, knowing you do all things well. In the name of of your son Jesus the Christ by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. God bless you all. May heaven smile upon you and we hope you all will check us out either Sunday morning at 1030 or next week. Same time, same place. God bless.